0: Gentlemen, let's get to the round six. Considerable winners and mammoth losers. Maxi, let's start with you. Who did you have as your considerable winner for this round?
1: Uh, the Fremantle Dockers, Even though they, they had a poor start considering that they didn't win any games until they played Adelaide, but I thought in all their performances, they played pretty well. In the first three rounds, they played three current um, top four teams. So they played Port Adelaide, Brisbane and Essendon and they pushed all all top all three teams. So I thought they were actually pretty impressive. But on the weekend, they beat St Kilda by 6 points, 79 to 73. It was a really good win considering the Saints were up by six goals a quarter time. And then Frere kicked five in the second quarter and they finished in front at three quarter time and then started to kick away in the fourth. They got chased down and St Kilda actually drew level with only a couple of minutes to go. But then Fremantle had to win it again, which they did with Lockie Schultz kicking the sealer. Sort of said, they said in the commentary, it was sort of a similar angle that Justin Longmear kicked that um, game winner against the Saints all those years ago as well. They did it in the second half with five playing um, not too many midfield minutes in the second half. I think he said after the game that his answering didn't pull up that well. And they also did it without their ruckman. Um, Sean Darcy got concussed by Ben Long, as we were talking about earlier. So Rory Lobb went into the rut but yeah, as I said, Fremale have been pretty impressive this year, even in their losses. So just to get two wins on the trot now going into a derby this week sort of builds that game up a bit as well. But um, they've also got a few good um, young midfielders coming through in Angus Brayshaw, mm-hmm. Chera and Tucker, which is just, you've got to remember that um, in the last two years, they've lost a lot of the core midfield that they had. In They lost Lockie Neal, Brad Hill, and Ed Langdon, all in the last two years. Overall, they're a pretty young side, apart from what David Mundy, Sonny Walters and Nat Five. So, yeah, I've just been impressed with Freo all year. So it was good to see them get a second win in a row and go into a derby this week. So. It'll be an interesting game to watch. And
0: it's fair to say, all those listeners out there to give you a visual perspective of Maxi jumping on the Frio bandwagon. He's wearing the old Heave Ho outfit. He's got he's got the beanie on and he's got the, the shirt really tying onto the muscles and Maxi really jumping on board the Frio Heave Ho. Maxi, have you got the actual docker tattoo on your arm?
1: No, I haven't, sir. Okay, well, we're not going that, that
0: far you, quite
2: yet. If they That's win the sure, flag this year, I'll get it.
0: All right, you heard it first here on In The Ballpark. <laughs> if Frio win the flag, Maxi is getting a docker tattoo on his arm.
2: Um, I'm just going to say, I am, sir, so I'm getting behind Frio for that reason solely now. Absolutely. <laughs> they're hard not to like, aren't they? But... Uh, I'm actually going to look at uh, Port. We did talk about him just before. Are they back, lads? A few years of not fully realising any of that hype. Probably not even since that, um, that 2014 final ish, where I think. they were. I didn't hear you, Maxie. Sorry, my bad. 2014, it was, I think. But it, yeah, that's the one. Fourteen it was. Look, down by um, a kick at the end away from a grand final, that would have been incredible. But look, maybe this is their time, you know, um, alternative year or not, the pressure was certainly on. So maybe um, maybe their, their opportunity is here and imagine, just imagine uh, being there at the end and having it at home. That would be, it would be a scene, wouldn't it? Would they wear their um, traditional... Prison bars, uh, sir.
0: That is a brilliant... <laughs> I was hoping someone would mention that, Maxi. All I can say is it would be one of those weeks where Koshi and Eddie would be absolutely at each other's throats. I mean, Collingwood have said, no, nah, you're not allowed to wear it outside of the showdown, but in a grand final, do you make an exception? Because because if Collingwood were to play an, an away Guernsey, they'd be wearing their white with white, uh, yeah. smaller strips. But... Would that clash? Port Adelaide
1: were the original one, which is all black, then I reckon that'd be fine. But I don't think Eddie would have it. <laughs> and
0: Farazi, who are some of the players that have really impressed you for Port Adelaide?
2: I think so far landed their recentish draft picks um, mm. well. They obviously knew they had to go and do that. It wouldn't have been easy, when, especially when they were right in the frame only a few seasons ago, as we said. I just think that there's been a huge mentality shift there. I don't know if it was just a little bit of complacency or whatnot. We've, we know that they've always had the um, the A-graders, especially through the middle of the last few years. I don't know if it if they sort of just thought, even you go back as far as that premium final, did they expect it was just going to happen? And it seems like there is a realisation that, well, this is really it. I mean, too many years of, um, you know, average or even below average. I think they might have only made the finals once since then, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. So, look, really not what that sort of list should be putting together. It does feel a bit like now or never for mine. And
0: the trigger in Ken Hinckley's contract is no finals this season and no contract extension. So with only a couple more wins, you would think that Port Adelaide will get that finish that they were looking for.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so. I think they're they're pretty safe in that regard. But uh, how deep they'll go, well, they've got a huge opportunity, I think.
0: Let's move on to our mammoth losers for this week. <laughs> So Maxi, who is the mammoth loser for you for this round?
1: My mammoth loser was Sydney, who lost to Richmond by eight points in one of the worst games I can remember. So it was thirty four to twenty six. I sort of I remember I saw a post on Facebook and I thought, is this the halftime result or is that the full time result? <laughs> Damien Hardwick and John John Longmire sort of went head to head after the game in sort of discussing what Sydney's Sydney's tactics were. But um I sort of picked Sydney. Obviously, it was a terrible performance and also because they lost Josh Kennedy, who's done a medial ligament about six weeks, Mm -hmm. and also Isaac Keeney, who's done his ankle, who will be out for the rest of the year. So Sydney have got a pretty young team at the moment and to lose two of their core senior players when they're already missing Buddy and Sam Reid, particularly to miss Isaac Keeney, who's probably their main sort of focal point up forward at the moment. And just the Sydney Swans, their last three scores are 26-43, and 39. So I'm just sort of wondering like where are their scores going to come from? From what I hear, I think Calum Sinclair and Tom McCartan are a chance to come in this week. But just looking through both their career stats, they both average about 0.5 goals a game. So whether that's actually going to have a big enough effect to boost those scores up from, as I said, their last three scores of 26, 43, and 39. Where are the Swans going to be able to find a winning score, And also just looking at the results, two wins against Adelaide, who are currently 18th, and North Melbourne, who are currently 16th. And the Swans find themselves 17th at the moment and playing Gold Coast this weekend at the SCG. But just looking at the odds, I just think the Gold Coast are a fair chance to win that game. So do they still think that they can play finals this year or are they pushing uphill? So I still like Sydney's list. I think they've still got a lot of good good young players in Ollie Florent and Will Haywood, Blakey, Mills, a lot of others. So I just think this week and particularly in the coming weeks to come, they're going to be struggling. So that's why they're my amount of losers for the week. sir. my big question to you, Maxie, is if, Buddy Franklin does get fit within this season,
0: knowing that Sydney probably will finish in the bottom four. Is it worth playing Buddy for this season? It's
1: an interesting question. I know they brought him back for the last game of last year to play his 300s. He was looking good during preseason, but then he broke down just before the games are about to start back again. So do you try and get four or five games into him just because? <laughs> you're paying him what a million dollars a year you want to get some return and yep. if, he, if, he, if he continues to break down through preseason maybe you think we might try to squeeze every single game that we can out of him but yeah his body's starting to break down so it's an interesting question whether or not you just save him for the preseason and try to get
2: him through to 2021 with the full preseason the money can't be ignored I mean if someone was to work out a uh, a cost per minute on the field equation god you'd hate to you'd hate to see it wouldn't you it
0: would hurt a lot of Sydney Swan supporters I think Frizy let Let's get to your mammoth loser for round six.
2: Yeah, boys, look, I've got to go Hawthorne again. I mean, we're just speaking about low scores. Well, it's been the case for them probably too often. I think behind closed doors there, you might have one pretty cranky coach. And i tell you what they have mm. got. Just having a little look this week is a very aging list. Also, a bit hit and miss the last couple of seasons with the guys they've brought in. The, the hits, are, I mean, they're, they're obvious when you talk about your um, your Mitchells and O'Mearas and these guys, but um, I wonder where the next even couple of years goes for the Hawks, to be honest.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned there, Frazee, Hawthorne has a very, very ageing list. They're the third oldest in the AFL as we currently speak. Collingwood and West Coast, slightly ahead of them. The question is rebuild. Do Hawthorne have enough young talent on that list, enough emerging talent on that list to seriously consider them going up the ladder like what they did
2: in the mid two thousands, where they acquired all of that talent, as we know, it's a long process, as we know, but it did work for them in the past. It paid more dividend than they could have ever expected. So look, maybe yeah, that's a sort of, that's
1: a sort of thing. There's a there's a fine balance between making the finals, finishing seventh or eighth, and mm-hmm. being in being in no man's land where you're not. Challenging for a flag, but you're also not getting access to high draft picks as well. I was sort of a bit critical. I know they got Chad Wingard in, and I think he's still got a lot of good footy ahead of him. But I thought they could have got that deal done without training Ryan Burton. He seemed to be probably, along with Warpool, the most promising young player. So yeah. I still sort of question that mentality. I think <laughs> I wonder if Adrian Dodoro would have done that trade. And I still reckon they've got a, a really solid AFL top six sort of midfield when you look at O'Meara, Mitchell and Warple. But when you look at their um, forward line, they've sort of got Gunston, who's probably got a few years left. Then you've got Bruce, Pewopolo and a few others who are sort of starting to age. So I look at their midfield as sort of what's going to keep them competitive for the next couple of years. But then you look at where they should be targeting the draft, is at either end, considering that they've still got Mitchell and O'Meara and Warple, I think they're pretty stacked. Yeah, In their midfield Where well, I think they need to draft more forward and back so.
0: Yeah, it's, it's incredible to believe You are speaking before about Hawthorne kind of yeah, Getting to these good positions Even getting into finals and not really doing much Probably since the 2016 season In 2018 it's hard to believe Hawthorne ended up finishing Fourth that season And they ended up going out in straight sets And really didn't look damaging at all Against the two clubs they played in Richmond mm. and in Melbourne I mean yeah, it must be concerning. Even if they do make finals, we don't know really how deep they can go and if they will be a real contender.
1: Well, maybe they sort of do what Geelong doing and they just keep going, just keep bringing in free agents and mature-age players and see, see where it gets them. I mean, Geelong, the last premiership they won was in 2011. And I can't think of how many top 10 picks Geelong have had since 2011, but it hasn't been much. But you sort mm. of think about all the players that they've brought in, we just kept them as a really good side, but they haven't won. So has it worked or has it not worked? It's sort of yet to be seen, but at the moment it
2: looks like Geelong haven't been able to do it, no matter how good um, Chris Scott's home and away record is. (laughs)